Welcome to Pancom Podcast. <laughs> I often fuck that up. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, did you hear it though? I heard it. Ah. Okay, so before you showed up, she was giving me shit about how I, that I pronounced no, I it all gringo like. Pond. No, you got a Salina Candice. Welcome to Pancom Podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm your host, Mike Beltran. Ew, it's not my fault. No, it's not. You got to listen. There's so many people that say the worst things about our logo, period. So you really got for the people in Kansas. That's our biggest audience. Right. Salina, Kansas. And there's apparently some in Portland, Maine. And also traveling nurses in Minnesota. And Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And man, I mean, that makes sense. There's nothing to do in Minnesota. Well, there is now. Pancom Podcast. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Mabel, I am so happy that you're here. I'm not going to say your last name because you just told me and I could never do that in a million years. No, come on. You try. It's Mabel de Beunza. You were the Get out of here, bro. Good job. Do it again. Come on. Mabel de Beunza. That is pretty good. I'm pretty impressed. I'm actually pretty impressed. I'm actually pretty impressed. Mabel de Beunza. You should have given that man that drink in a plastic red Solo cup. I just want to point out that Nick... That's fine with me. Nicolas Don Bailey Jimenez ordered <laughs> Jack on the Rocks here at, uh, at yep, in the Grove. He ordered Jack yeah. on the Rocks. Well, now it's like a here real cheers. Go. To Jack. Yeah, to Jack. Huh? There you Have go. water, you know? A wee dog. So, um, since I'm the only one who can say it, I'll, Thank I'll do you. a brief intro. It's not, I just don't want to do it terribly. And I feel like you I would feel. You can't get it wrong. No, you would get. I would get that wrong. You Mom? know what people always do is that they always think it's U E, so they do de buenza. De buenza. Buenza. No, but it's de buenza. De buenza. So we got Mabel de buenza. Mabel, we will get into your professional stuff uh, momentarily. You are in the PR and, and marketing world. You do branding work, uh, and there's a lot of overlap with. Uh, things that we're into around here, like cigars that we were talking about earlier, although I think that's like a new foray for you. Oh, yeah? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and the food world. Actually, we met at Time Out Miami mm-hmm. uh, at uh, our friend Miguel. Chef Miguel Massons. Massons. Miguel Massons. <laughs> Miguel Massons. Yeah. Massoncito. Fellow uh, fellow men for others. Like that's right. Know. Yeah, yeah. Belen will last forever. Yeah, Belen. <laughs> That's what I'm told. Yeah? Uh, Yeah, at some point while I was... This is a total sidebar. At some point while I was at Belen, they wrote a really cheesy song that we all still make fun of. And, like, the chorus is, Belen will last forever. And I don't know what the fuck that means. uh, But whatever. I actually think that's that's below Adelante on, you know, the... First of all, Adelante Adelante is a great... Anyways, we can go on for a long time. Adelante is a great phrase. It means a lot of good things. The men for others thing? Come on, that's like... and And then it's the... And now you have a theme song to it too. It's like oh, the theme song is like god awful. I can we find it? I'm sure. Yeah, we'll insert it here right, in post production. We have no. the technology. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but uh, what what we're gonna start with, uh, Mabel, and we'll ask you to to jump into that. So Mabel, uh, the reason that not the only reason, but the reason that we've invited you here now uh, is that you and others are involved in. Uh, what began like as just a very cool like uh, or what seemed to me from the outside as like a, a labor of love sort of project that has turned into like a full blown uh, yeah. nonprofit mm-hmm. thing. So uh, 
sort of walk us from from the beginning of that to where you are now. Oof, feels like an eternity ago, and it was just March. Yeah. Woo. Um, well, thank you for having me here. Really, I, 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 I have a tremendous amount of gratitude, primarily because I really, you know, didn't reach out to everyone, and this has been a very grassroots effort, and I really have a very uh, heartfelt um, appreciation for people who have come out of their way to support in every way possible, whether it's again, having the promotional value on the podcast or, you know, having friends reach out to other friends, uh, donations, volunteer, every, every bit counts. So like men who are interested in helping others, yeah. you might say they're for others. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> and, and I want to go back to the, to the private school thing because of my son, but we'll have that yeah. conversation later. Um, so it, it started as, um, this uh, one of my sort of partners now in the venture because we're now a 501c3. Her name is Mithil Simancas. She's um, just a, a Miami Beach resident, uh, was very involved, very philanthropic. And she got this call uh, to help feed a family. Mm. So there's a lot of schools in Miami that are Title I, mm-hmm. and Title I schools are below poverty level. Mm-hmm. They get federal funding, but a majority of their students are living below poverty level. Majority of their meals only come from school. And that's how, you know, they survive. Um, you know, their meal is breakfast and lunch at school. Wow. So when the school closures happen, and obviously their parents are unemployed, there was this great outreach of, like, how can we help these sort of the silent workers of our community that are not getting the stimulus checks, that are not getting any bit, any ounce of the $2 trillion whose, you know, employers can't have them on the uh, payroll right. protection program and all that. And so these families are in pretty desperate need. Mithil started by filling a fridge. She just bought groceries for this family that she connected with. And then it just became this enormous, you know, sort of wheel and wave of, of one after another. So... My friend Erin, who is, uh, you know, a beauty editor, she writes for Coco Plum, she has uh, Golden Beach Magazine, mm. and Jenny Star Perez, who's the editor of Indulge, mm-hmm. were out grocery shopping on a Saturday, see them on Instagram, like, filling this cart full of groceries at uh, different grocery stores, filling it for families, and I was like, I have to, how do I do this? Where do I start? Tell me when do I go? So they connected me, and I had my first adopted family. So we call them adopted because... The process is meant to be that way, sort of like an adoption. So if you guys wanted to adopt a family, we would connect you with a family that's in need mm. and you would take on the responsibility of helping them to get back on their feet as much as possible until they're back and working. The number one goal is malnutrition with children, making right. sure that children have food on the table. And the second is making sure that they have a roof on their head. The rest is icing on the cake, helping them get jobs, helping them with utilities. We've paid a lot of rents. We've paid a lot of FPL bills, a lot of cell phones. Um, sometimes we just call them to drop off the groceries and the phones are disconnected. So everything kind of rolls into each other. So my first adopted family was a single dad. Um, he um, is here with his two children, um, all elementary school children. And when I called him and I asked him, you know, how can I help you? What What is it that you need at home? How can I help supplement your food? So 
I adopted probably at the end of mid-April, and since the pandemic, they had only had cereal and milk, and the meals that the school would provide. So that night, we it was it was on a Sunday. I'll never forget it. And my husband and I were like by the pool, and I said, I can't. Like, there's some. I feel this like enormous urge. We got to go to the grocery store now. I can't sleep tonight knowing that there's two children mm. going to bed that I have direct contact to that don't have any, that are going hungry tonight. So we went, we filled this fridge and it was, I know it was very deep for the father, but it was very difficult for him as well as a man for sure to see himself in that predicament. And he started crying. Yeah. Because we were the only people that had reached out to him in the, those months. So that aside, I did that adoption. Uh, I, I posted the shopping. Friends started to get involved. They were interested in his case. Um, they helped me pay two months of his rent. Friends donated towards filling his fridge a couple times, paying his utilities. And one, someone reached out to get him work. So <laughs> anyone needs shutters installed, he knows exactly how to do that. Wow. Um, and so it just kept rolling. And then I adopted another family and then other friends wanted to get involved and more adoptions of families happened that way. So right now we are up to 160 families. Amazing. And uh, about, I want to say 80, 70 to 80% of them are adopted. They have uh, uh, an adoption family um, that's helping them fill the fridge. Uh, we had to incorporate, so now we're a 501c3, the last thing I thought I'd have this year. Right. <laughs> Pretty amazing. And the group is, is, is comprised of, of women, you know, the, the core group that we couldn't be any more different. We're, you know, from different countries, different religions, different backgrounds, different needs. You know, some have kids in college. I have a toddler. Some are totally single. So it's been, uh, it's been incredible and it's and it's this kind of thing that you can't really put to words and encapsulate how in this incredible devastating crisis so much humanity has come out of it and the amount of support the amount of people that have come out and said look you know i i i, I got laid off I, I, you know, I don't have the means to adopt a family, but how can I help? And they'll volunteer and they've picked up. Um, and then just slowly it's, it's, it's snowballed into this, where we are today. Um, we've had contributions from people like the hungry post. They have a feed the chain campaign where they, uh, uh, get donations. They pay restaurants, uh, for meals and then they donate them to our families. Mm. So that's been, you know, unbelievable uh my clients as well um azabu and lolos they for a month a month and a half every single day for that month five days a week gave me 60 meals wow. and they went back out into the community so and it, and it's and it hasn't been having to pick up the phone a tremendous amount it's been genuine heartfelt unbelievable gestures of humanity of compassion um, the cases are um, are heartbreaking. You know, there's a lot of people that have had heart attacks as a result of the stress that this yeah. has brought on to them, which then, you know, they don't have health insurance. So it's like a roller coaster of, of things that you have to go through. Um, you know, we had recently a mom give birth prematurely due to the stress. Yeah. 
But, you know, then you turn around and on Saturday I'm in plantation picking up a breast pump because a mom reached out and is like, I have a breast pump. Another one is giving diapers. One's giving a crib. We're raising money for her to get Ubers to and from the NICU. Um, we're getting volunteers to try to take care of her kids while she goes to the NICU and sees her baby who's premature. Um, and this is the, you know, there's this underground economy that no one wants to talk about and that the government doesn't help and a lot of people need to turn a blind eye to because it's not in their best interest. Right. But these are the silent workers of our community. They, um, primarily on Miami beach right now, we're mm. growing our chapters little by little. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, they've, they've been the, what we think are the biggest victims of this sort of COVID pandemic. Um, and we're just trying to, to fill the basic needs to help them, you know, sort of rise in that hierarchy of, of society, which is, you know, sort of that psychological Maslow theory of, you know, you got to go for the basic needs before you can really reach that self-actualization in life. Right. And how can we get them there if we can't even meet their basic needs? Right. So, so that's Adopt a Family Miami. Um, we call it Fill the Fridge just because it's, you know, sometimes easier and rolled off the tongue. Right. And, and yeah, it's been... You know, it's been challenging. I have a, a toddler at home who I also have to homeschool, who I don't have oh, extra yeah. care for. Um, we don't have a nanny. So it's like, honey, you take him this week. I got to go grocery shopping. Or, um, you know, we get donations from somewhere and you can't. You can't turn them away. It's like mm. it's it's this kind of instant knee-jerk reaction. Right. Where, And now, you know, we've been to restaurants, your restaurant, and have, you know, taken home so much food mm -hmm. and sometimes you just put it in the fridge and kind of forget about it and you're like damn you know now it never goes to waste like you call them you know I, I'll call my specific adopted family and I'm like hey you know I can make this into a sandwich for you and I'll see you tomorrow um, but nothing goes to waste nothing goes to uh, nothing every a lot of things that we take for granted on a day-to-day -day basis now takes a deeper meaning yeah Wow. Yeah, it's been great, right? I mean, it's pretty amazing. Thank you. I think in a in a world that it's like there's so much negative, I mean, it's incredible to see parts of community doing things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I can – I don't even know what to say. I mean, that's incredible. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, if someone wants to – adopt a family what's the process so the best way is to just go to our instagram and email us they could dm us as well so there's a couple of options for people one is the preferred method is obviously to adopt because it gets you out of your bubble it gets you out of your circle and it really gives you a profound connection then you start to build your own community of donors and those donors become involved in the person's life and you really help to build this enormous network of 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 humanitarians that you didn't even know existed in your own Rolodex. So that's the best part is, is just DMing, um, you know, email. We now have email, <laughs> um, which is Mabel at adoptafamilymiami.org. Um, and then the second is uh, just, you know, donating to our GoFundMe. The, the, the core principles of the group is making sure no child goes hungry and making sure that they have a roof over their head. Everything else is really ancillary. So the GoFundMe is meant for um, 
families that are unadopted that have an immediate need that we have to fill their fridge right away. You know, they're, they're just, they don't have anything. Um, and also to help with a lot of our adopted families' utilities um, because the biggest threat with the moratorium being lifted is that these people don't have rights. So they're facing aggressive landlords who they don't need to file a moratorium paperwork or, I mean, an, an eviction paperwork. They are on in their faces day in and day out. So we help them to, um, you know, to pay the rent to see another night under a roof. Um, so that's where the GoFundMe and the last one is just volunteers. We need so many. Tomorrow we have, you know, uh, today I picked up um, 60 pizzas as a donation from from Hungry Post, and you know it takes we're we're small, but now it's becoming a tremendous amount. And so time is sometimes even more valuable than money. And really having someone volunteer is a, is a is an enormous amount of help. Tomorrow we have a pickup at the convention center with. So that, you know, some, some people argue, well, you know, they can go to all these drives with food, but these people don't have a car. So, you know, you, you can't drive when into a drive up food distribution center when you don't have a car, when they right. ask for, you know, certain needs and, and requirements that they have. Um, so even just going to pick up a box and delivering it is, is a tremendous amount of help. I think tomorrow we're feeding 150 of them with individual meals. So, yeah, that's, that's the best way to to help and 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 there's nothing it, there's also a, a ton of generous donations that we get from people that uh, have like bikes that they've given us um yeah. you know we definitely don't have the space to take on volume of donations but you know we've got kids that are now you know in the dining room table doing homework you know not in the best condition so some people have donated computers and their offices are closed so they've given us desk chairs and things like that that we've been able to like rent a u-haul and go deliver and stuff like that i i wonder talk a bit more about you know earlier you said uh, that having a 501c3 was like the last thing that you thought the year would bring I, I think it's one of those things that like a lot of people probably have some kind of idea right whether probably more often for like a business but i'm sure you know you're not the first person who has had some idea or wanted to begin participating in something very small that was uh just like a charitable thing and i i think that probably a lot of people have this idea that like it has to start with the 501c3 and we have a board and we have the whole thing and that's not how this happened yeah. at all talk a bit about about that aspect of it and like what you take from it and what you hope other people take from it so, yeah, you don't have to register as a 501c3. And, and this is, I think, the core basis of just being a good neighbor. How many people knock on their neighbor's door and say, hey, you know, how are you doing since March? How's your mental health? How is how are your children? And having candid conversations, especially because it's 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 humbling and it's sometimes very embarrassing for people to acknowledge that you need help in any capacity, whether it's food or, or just someone to hear you vent. There's people that have been in apartments for months or little small confined spaces that that really affects their, you know, their needs and their mental state. And just reaching out to someone is, is pretty, pretty elementary. Right. And we don't do it. And I think the value of a person is never determined by what they give to you. It's, you know, it's about the relationship that you have and that relationship isn't contingent on having to get something in return from it mm. all the time. 
And as a society here, I think we, 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 we spend too much time and energy or meeting someone and then you determine their value because they are capable of giving something that you need, right? And this is unconditional. It's, there's, you know, there's no judgment. I'm not here to, I, I have, a, that's sort of something that you've had, you have to do when you either start a 501 or just a charitable act is not expecting a reward, not expecting acknowledgement, not expecting to be on a podcast. You know, this is beyond you know, something that I expected. As, as big as this honor must be for you, I'm sure. <laughs> it is. It really is. Don't here. make light of it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it's just beginning. Start small, and then before you know it, the rest follows. I mean, I, all I could say is that I applaud you for this. Thanks. I mean, it's, uh, and I've talked about it, like, at length. Things like mental health for uh, the industry, are, it's, like, so fragile of a subject. But now I think that that subject is starting to pour over into just the world, yep. you know, because we're in such a, uh, everything is fragile. You know, I, I mean, being the day to day, everything, as we see things worsen or maybe get better, or we don't know. And it's like, and, and it's something, there's always, there's a power in asking someone like how you're doing and really meaning it. Right. You know, not, not asking. As a passerby. Right. How are you? Tell yeah. me how life is. Because. You know, I just for me on on a daily like it's a it's a high stress job, our job, and um, sometimes it's all like very fast paced and fast paced, and and you forget to like slow down and ask someone how they're doing. But I think that's just like everything now, and it, and it's not just my industry. I think it's our day to day. Like we're just the whole year, like you said, it's only been since March, but it feels like it's been like an eternity, like. We've lived 2020 now for five years, yes. right? And we're still only in August. Yeah. And, and um, we're just in this like deep survival mode. It's like a deep survival mode. So yep. to ask someone, how are you? The power in that and yep. actually opening your ears and, and listen mm-hmm. is so powerful. So apart from that, you know, you guys went an extra step, which is incredible. And let me ask you, has there been any... I mean, communication with local governments at all, assisting, working with. Um, yeah. So we're just, we have had some government officials help us in the form of, you know, sort of casting aside some quantities of their distributions, but no one wants to touch the subjects. Right. No one wants to, it, it, it is, they're called the invisible workforce for a reason. They want to keep it that way. They cannot bring it up um there and, and and it plagues not miami plagues new york incredible oh, yeah. i mean that's that's an entire economy underground in and of its own Texas, and California. um and it and it and it really it sucks because you see these people that they don't they're they don't want me to fill their fridge when i go there they don't want me there they want their life back they yeah. want to work they, my first adopted uh, family, he, every time I see him or I text him and I'm like, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? Tell me about the kids. How are they, you know, are they uh, now starting their online classes? What do they need for that? He's like, they're great. They're fine. Do you know anyone that needs me to work? I'll paint the balcony. I'll paint the house. I will. And, you know, he just, he wants to work and he wants to do the job that no one else wants to do. Right. And before he did this, he was 
cleaning carpets overnight at hotels. And you think to yourself, like, I never asked him, you know, what hotels, but, you know, you have these people sashaying through their, you know, partying on top of these carpets. And guess what? You wake up in the morning and it's clean. And he's probably the one that did it. Where your red bottoms just, you know, sashayed through someone with hard work and with two kids at home sleeping, left his house, left his kids, and went to go clean your carpet. Yeah. I mean, the, the, um, there's layers to like every kind of like, um, hotels. Like, there's someone that puts that mint on the pillow. Yeah. You know, there's someone that cleans up that mess of you partying till five in the morning. Mm hmm. And, uh, I think it's important to ask who that person is. Exactly. And I think that, uh, society now is maybe starting to take notice because yeah. all those luxuries that you had before may be gone mm-hmm. and they may be gone for a very long time. And, um, it's scary to think, you know, what's going to happen to these people long term. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, it, it, and it's almost frustrating to think about that. Uh, there's people with, the power to assist more and that they won't because it's such a sensitive subject. But I mean, uh, why is it so sensitive? Why won't anyone talk about it? Why won't anyone stand at the forefront of it? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a politician for a reason. And, right. and that's because, I mean, no one wants to hear me talk anyways. <laughs> that's okay. Except for the 22 people who listen to this. Right. Uh, one. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 20, 23. I don't know if that means that there's one or that there's 20 like plus one. Lower one. Not, no, 21. This one, one get... sitting oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, so um, one thing that I'm curious about, like I, I've never been involved in this particular type of thing, but I have been involved in like other, you know, activist, nonprofit type stuff. And one thing that I found was... You know, especially as you want it to grow, which you always do, right? Like you're doing good and there's, it makes you want to do more of it, right? Yeah. And then you need more people. And, and you start to learn about, number one, what keeps people from taking that step and also like uh, what they get out of it and how to motivate them. What have you, have you found that, like I imagine even just in your circle of friends, you might have friends who, not because there's anything, you know, less about them, maybe they just never knew where to take the first step who this is like the first time they've done something like this. What, yeah. what have you taken from seeing those people take that first step? Man, that's such a good question because everyone has their own approach and psychology behind. Some people get really like it's giving $5 right now means a lot. Yeah. And people have this like weird perception that they have to give a tremendous amount of money. Like I had someone give me a hundred dollars and apologize for it. And I was like, you're kidding me, right? This is unbelievable. This is so generous. This is, and, and I'm like, we don't, you don't need to give that much. And sometimes you also don't, to take the first step means to open yourself up in a way that you have to be just as, how do you say, you just have to be just as vulnerable as those people that you're helping. Because if they're vulnerable, you're vulnerable, you don't know each other and that's okay. And just the first step always works out i don't i don't it's kind of like a head first no helmet kind of thing mm. you just do it yeah. because there's no act of charity that you could ever do that could go wrong mm. because you just walk away 
that's it. It's okay. It's okay to give once. It's okay to continue. I mean, some people just, you know, feel like they can't do the, the long-term adoption, you know, sort of program. And, and I've, we've had a lot of donors that a lot of adopted, adoptee people who adopt our families. I don't even, I, how did I not figure out a word for them? But that they are kind of embarrassed to call us and say, hey, you know, like I can't keep going. And that's okay. You know, it's like this, you're right. It's like this overwhelming thought process. You're thinking, you're overthinking it. Yeah. Just, it's like, just do it. Yeah, like like my experience with it has been the Cuba stuff, right? Yeah. And and I think there's this sense, and at the time that I was very deeply engaged in it, it was like a lot of college students and people maybe getting up to like 30, 35. Yeah. And in, I think there's probably like a, the analogy that I see there is like, what kept some people from doing it is that there's this what's overwhelming is like yeah okay i'm gonna get involved and we're gonna free cuba okay right and oh yeah i'm gonna get involved and everybody's frigid like but that's not the point it's the one person and it or even if it's just for the one day like the one time their fridge was filled that's a time that it was filled yeah. and that it otherwise might not have been and they're so grateful and there's the the sheer joy now we know we've known a lot of the kids because we've dropped off so often and we're in this COVID world where it's like, no hugging, you know, and right. the kids don't care. They right. just like, they see me or they see Mithil or Leslie or Jessica or Aaron. And it's like, they just bolt or they see any of the volunteers that, you know, that they see consistently. And the kids just, like, you see them running down this like narrow pathway of those labyrinth of apartments. And it's just like this joy. And that's enough. That's all I need. And there's many times where I'm like, oh, my God, I have to pick up all the way from the Doral. Today, I had to pick up 50 pizzas and I had to go deliver to like, you know, little Havana and then between uh, Alapada. And then because we do have some families that are out of network right now because we're hoping to grow the chapters, you know, to different areas. Mm-hmm. And so. Then I have to go all the way to Miami Beach, and you're like, I don't, like, I don't, I'm not a, like, I'm not a pizza delivery girl. Like, I should just be an Uber at this point and make money off this. And oh, you know what? Evil empire again. They're evil rearing empire. its ugly head no matter where we go. <laughs> I mean, it's nomenclature. It's not because they're, uh, not because of anything. But, but then the kid comes out, and his smile because he doesn't have pizza. Mom's not spending the ten dollars she has on pizza, mm. and it's, it's unbelievable and that's all that you need and just one little sometimes people are like bread milk eggs that's it just drop that off it's crazy because like during um quarantine time we i mean it was a, a situation in the world that none of us had ever dealt with before and i was um we were thinking like what what could we possibly do for the 120 employees that we had to let go so we did something like that and it was just like and we would set it up and you know they could pick up their bags every week uh, or like you know one week we would do dinner for four and then the following week they could have you know wow. groceries mm-hmm. or whatever and whoever wanted to sign up signed up yeah and uh, you know I never felt like it was enough you know right. I never felt like it was enough because these people I, like if you like care yeah. about humanity you never feel like you're doing it right you know and i i'm listening to your story and i'm like this is incredible you know and there's people out there saying that giving five dollars isn't enough but i mean anything right now is enough crucial yeah you know and, and it's just it's 
it's this crazy time that we're living in and I don't the crazy part is that I don't I don't know what's next right none of us really know what's next right like we're living in this world right now that we're just inundated with politics on a daily basis of whatever whoever you support or whatever you support or whatever it is and it's just we're inundated with that and we're missing like the real fundamental problem which is our neighbors yeah like we're looking at this bigger picture sure you know like we have an evil empire and there's an unevil empire but evil empire and then there's right. up there it's just but then what about how is your neighbor doing right how is you can um, act now our you know in, in in the industry how's our fellow restaurants doing like all those things how are pr people doing it's just it's crazy you know and it's just caring and asking people how they're doing and trying to help in any which ways pivotal yeah, you know, simple. I think this whole thing is incredible. Thank you. Like I am, I I don't know what to say. Thank you. I mean, and, and I am I'm, I take I, I I you know I take the compliment because it has been an amazing. But again, I'm I'm just one person out of you know hundreds that are putting this together, and I appreciate the you know the opportunity to do it for them because I think that's really important. So, and we can always come back to some of this stuff. Very possible that we will, but before we move on to other things. Unless you had other stuff that you wanted to make sure you worked in, but no, I think that was one last. We usually will leave this stuff for the very end, but let's uh, do the plugging. Yeah, plug so, that. Yeah, plug, Where do plug people go? Thing. How do they find you? One oh, okay. More time. Um, in so case people were not paying attention before, let's okay. get them again, and then we'll get them a third time at the end. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's Adopt a Family Miami, uh, primarily on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook as well, and our GoFundMe is Adopt a Family Miami. It's also Fill the Fridge. So. Those two are the two most pivotal words. Um, and the, the best way to communicate is really through DM and my email, Mabel, M-A-B-E-L, not Mobley, at adoptafamilymiami.org. Okay. And, yeah, that's the best way. Not Mobley. I like no. Mobley. <laughs> People will spell it B-L-E. Um, so, Mike, where do you want to go from here? I mean, we yeah, haven't really talked know. about I'm like, anything. I'm, I'm just like, oh. I'm, I'm moved. Yeah. It's hard to get me to not have anything to say. Oh, Aww. man. It's, tr- it's tough. And it's from true. a publicist. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Listen, I like publicists. No, not... I'm just saying, like, yeah, we not... know, most yeah. publicists get people to talk. Yeah, that's also true. Where's, where's Larry when you need him, right? Ah, oh, Larry. Larry. Yeah. Larry, I'm still trying to meet with you. Oh. When are we going to have that coffee? Oh, no, you need Larry with martinis. Does he listen yeah. to this thing? He yeah, does. he does. Oh, he does. He, he does. does. Larry, where are you at? You know, I mean, you need Martini Larry. You don't need Coffee Larry. Coffee yeah. Larry is a good time, but it's all business. Martini Larry, though, now that I've heard is, he, is entertaining. I've heard Larry's a Long Island man. He is a Long Island man, but I've seen him crush five or six martinis here on property quite a few times. Uh, so, I mean, this is an awkward segue, but I feel like there's really not a graceful way to change. To leave, topic. like, a very good subject, a good wholehearted subject to then yeah. talk about your Don Bailey post. If that's where I was gonna say, Mabel, what do you do? And like, let's get into that. But no, sure, if that's where you want to go. You're the host I just, here. I, Your name's under the pornographic sandwich. No, <laughs> well, I mean, I just I want to know um, the thought process behind your Don Bailey post with Petey because we've got okay. quite a few DMs about it. Hold on. So this is this is not news because you told me that it rocked the internet. <laughs> but it broke the internet. <laughs> no, he said rocked. Oh, which rocked. I, I don't know if that's a bone below break breaking, but <laughs> it was rocked. So I, I, I don't think know the about problem kids are going to do a song about your Don. Man, Bailey that would be that'd be the peak of my Don Bailey career. Yeah, to I this point. So. so 
I mean, I'll, I'll I'll let you tell people what happened. Cause no, I mean, it was just like very random. It's very this like was an not Instagram stories. Very, very like not Nick Jimenez ish. Yeah, it wasn't very not, and you know, like you, the I think Did you, you broke the, you, you know broke the internet to? that I, day. But I believe it's very I, like Cardi B ish of you. Very I, like. Um, if you want to let her, uh, this is very embarrassing. Or everybody else. This is embarrassing for me. But if you want to, see, if what you happened? Want, what happened was I was while, just I was perusing through Instagram stories, and then it's just Nick with no shirt on. Oh in yeah, bed, with the pet, dog. The That's dog. right. Of course I yeah, saw see what that. I'm saying? But like, I had to go so fast. <laughs> yeah, no. And then you tried to click back, <laughs> and it's like, what's happening? Oh, Nick Jimenez, the actual the mastermind behind Dade Mag and Pancom podcast here. Mastermind. Mastermind. And it wasn't one. It was two. No, it was just the one. It was a slider. It was two back to back. No, yeah. no, no, no. One you're had thinking, music. No, you're thinking a different one. <laughs> oh, there was more than one. If you want to feel <laughs> that one didn't have my face in it, and I was wearing, I was very much shirted in that photo. It, oh, I know. That. It Mario was at night, right? WhatsApp, if you want to, it was at night. It was in you're... the morning. Mm-hmm. It was a morning he sent it photo. On WhatsApp or a text? He sent it on WhatsApp, conference, or maybe it was a text. <laughs> it was a text. But listen, here's what happened. More than While you're one. looking for that, and I will, I will explain the reasoning. And, I'll, and for the benefit of the people listening, this is a picture that I took where Petey is is Snuggled. with me in my bed, mm. and I took a picture, mm. and I hate, <laughs> I hate taking a Yes, post- I know exactly yes. the picture. Okay. <laughs> we'll put it. We'll put it in post. We'll, we'll put it. We'll, we'll insert that in the thing. That can be like... <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, so I hate taking pictures of myself. Uh-huh. I don't like it. I don't like posting them. Yeah. We even had this conversation. Yeah, we did. You because have a shave club. That You have like a whole fan club of just your do pre- I, and post. How do I have a fan club? What are you talking yeah. about? Nick a fan club? It's like a menace has a fan club. Who's the fan club? Fan club. Man, this I don't, is amazing. I'm not sure, but no, I'm sure. You know, your shave pictures, your pre and post must get like a lot. That's kind of like, what is it called? ASMR? Rock. Rock. Like uh, those. My, my facial hair is yeah. ASMR. I don't yeah. even know what that means. It's oh, like those, oh, that's a whole rabbit hole. That, yeah, yeah, it's those people that, that like. Crime I'm, face is still my uh, rabbit hole, so I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so, so I'll explain what happened here. Okay. Petey is snuggling with me. Petey never does this. So I'm like, if I do anything to upset the space here, he may leave. <laughs> and I take a lot of pictures of the dog. Yeah. So I take a self, and my face is in it. <laughs> I can't. And then if I moved the the comforter and all of that to cover myself, which I very much want, he would have left. Aww. And so I took the picture. It was a let's make sure Petey doesn't go anywhere mm-hmm. because this is the dog photo I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And then... I ended up with what Mike and past guest and friend of the podcast, Mario Obregón, described <laughs> as a thirst trap for middle-aged yes. women. Thirst trap for middle-aged women. <laughs> Which was not even remotely what I was going for. And, and, by the time, and by the time I learned that's what I had done, it was, it was already gone. The 24 hours had passed. Yeah. and you I, bro- I You broke the internet. I guess. I guess. I don't know what other DMs you got about this, but... Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, this was the only conversation that was had about I didn't about get it. any DMs. It wasn't okay. my thirst trap. It was your <laughs> I, I didn't your... get any either. Ah, uh, lies. No, actually. That's, that's okay. The there we <laughs> go. There was one. There was one I just <laughs> forgot about that you know about. Okay. Let's hope she's not listening to this. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, well, that, that was fun. Anyway. It's very out of character. And it I, is. I didn't know, like, I just. I wasn't sure, and I didn't mention it. I actually didn't mention it. I was it. shocked that you hadn't I, mentioned it. Because I didn't know what to do with that. I'm like, what <laughs> What the fuck is happening here? And then and then the following day, 
Mario wonderfully had screenshotted it and then he put it and then and then I was like, this really happened. I didn't. Yeah. This this you didn't make it, it up. This, this isn't like fiction. This is real. This is real life. Thirst trap Nick exists. <laughs> Very In the much. Flesh. I'm yeah. le- I'm learning that Mario can always be counted on to not just let it pass. No, Mario. Oh. It's, it's probably going to be on That some is going to be a somewhere. Christmas card. Oh. That has got to be. That's actually, this should be yeah. the Dave Mag Christmas card. Yes. you and Petey. <laughs> I agree. I, Sorry. I think that's a very solid idea. <laughs> and like twinkling lights. Oh, from, from the creator and CEO of Dade Mag, here wow. is your Don Bailey. We should billboard that thing. By the way, for, for those of you who are in Salina, Kansas, uh, Don Bailey uh, what's the name of the carpet company? Don Bailey Carpets. Don Bailey Carpets. Mm-hmm. Of course, it famous is. for Why his famous for a much nuder uh, uh, billboard that he put up of himself on a, was it like a bearskin rug or something? Yeah, he's very na- or no, it's a carpet, I guess, because yeah, he's a carpet, a carpet person. It's a carpet. Yeah, and he's very naked and he's covering his junk. I don't know with what. And then he did, and then his carpet. son did it again or something. That's right. Like forty years later. Yeah. When you're doubling down on things like that, it's serious. One day, my progeny will recreate that PD photo. Yeah. <laughs> Man, let's okay. hope not. Someone's got to Photoshop the rest of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't. I'm not totally sure. Now We're let's talk about accepting like, volunteers for that. Let's talk about. So, what's your day job? Now that we know that you like your. Uh, like superhero at nighttime and in the morning. No, um, so I'm one of the partners at Deep Sleep Studio. Ah. We're a full service creative agency. Um, we have every discipline under the roof. We have video. Um, we have um, graphic designers, web designers. Uh, my partner Alex and George are you know brilliant. Alex is super creative and incredible uh, branding expert. George is. You know, the one that makes it all happen. Mm. And uh, and I run the PR section. Yeah. That started here, Deep Sleep, or is that from... So Deep Sleep, Alex has the best story for that. So Alex used to, you know, be one of the guys that, like, did every major flyer in Miami uh-huh. for all the clubs. And one night, I think it was Ultra he was designing for, or like one of the big EDM festivals. <clears throat> and... It was like three or four o'clock in the morning and they said to him, dude, you got to, this is a great opportunity. You got to, you know, you got to slap your, your brand on it. And he was like, I don't, dude, I don't have a brand. And so he's like, you have to, you have to do it. We have like an hour to print. And he's like, oh, the only thing I need right now is deep sleep. And so he put it on there and that was it. Cool. And then, um, you know, we kind of evolved it a little bit in the sense that, you know, we now position it as, you know, that time uh, when like. Salvador Dali and all the great sort of minds would take a nap and go into deep sleep and come up with like the creative genius mm. idea, so to speak. Um, so yeah, we're, we're a small boutique agency. We're in Brickell. Um, and like I said, we have a, uh, all the disciplines under one roof. Um, we do branding, um, websites, graphic design, social media, PR. Um, we have our own studio there so like a film studio um we work a lot on a couple of different you know film projects and things like that so yeah that's the agency how has that been since march well it's been it's been interesting because each discipline has either actually done better Mm. and some have you know kind of stayed flat i think we're because we're boutique, because we're small, because our relationships with clients are, you know, very much like Larry, mm. where his relationship with clients are, hey, you know what? When March happened, I didn't tell my clients, see you when you pay me. 
Right. I was like, what can we do? How can we survive? What do we do in the next? Like we were on it every single step of the way, even if it wasn't a paycheck. Right. Yeah. Just so we give people in Salina more context. Okay. Larry Carino is my PR company, Brussman and Carino. Yes. And I call him uncle Larry. And, <laughs> um, he's great. And just like that, I think the, the really, the ones that got it and that understood were the ones that were doing stuff like that. Like how, I mean, Larry's been with me every step of the way, Yeah, you know, and he's, I mean, there was a point that we were talking like every single day on the phone. It was like, you know, what, what is the next, what, what do we do next to like survive this? And I think anyone who is really good right now and understands kind of like, there's hopefully going to be another side. It's important to do things like that. You know? And and to add more context <clears throat> to the, to the Larry, Larry's going to love this. Oh, man, he's going <laughs> to love it. I, So I've actually known Larry for most most publicists. You want another one? Can I? Yeah. <laughs> you want one, Nick? Can I? Can, put it in a red Solo cup for Nick, though, huh? Because yeah, Jack and Cole. I'm fine with a red Solo cup, too, no, by no, the way. Yours is fancy. That, I'm not sure. Anyways. So I've known Larry forever, and I've actually been Larry's client longer than I have been his, you know, uh, colleague, I guess. Yeah. And like many publicists, you know, not every publicist has a good relationship. They don't really like each other. Right. Larry and I have an incredible relationship. We, when the pandemic hit, we were on the phone just as much as we were with our clients because we were like, holy shit, what are we going to do? How do you, how, you know, who's doing what? How do we figure this out? And we had each other's backs, even though we are separate agencies. Yeah, I mean, competitors. But I, mean, I mean, not we. I don't really focus... The, our our niche, mine, at PR's niche, because the agency focuses on you know all different types of industries as a whole. You know, we do everything from brands to Bitcoin to oh, yeah. um, you know we do companies on the on the you know that are blue chip agencies that are blue chip companies, and then you know we work in Miami with mom and pop businesses. But Larry is. A food and beverage publicist like that yeah. is his specialty and no one can take it away and there are times where accounts come to me and we send it right back to larry because we respect each other's roles in the community and our relationship is far more valuable than sometimes clients because clients come and go but you know we're in this together as as you know as colleagues and i've been his client far more than i have been you know his colleague in in pr but but yeah the agency's doing well um you know, we did absolutely every single thing we could till the very last second, not to have any layoffs. We had maybe 10% if that, wow. and we're not that big. So 10% right. is kind of a, you know, a big deal. Um, you know, we did everything humanly possible. We don't take paychecks. We have kept our staff, their health insurance <coughs> with very minimal collateral damage, to be honest. And I think that that really speaks volume, not so much to me, but to my partners because they are committed to this team. Right. Yeah. And it's been, you know, their families, their family. We are actually, we don't call them family. We call them a team because that's really what we are. But deep down inside, that's how it feels. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always say, you know, sadly we had to let go of over a hundred employees yeah. when it first started because all the restaurants closed. Yeah. No, it's, um, but we tried. And I remember there was like that first, the fear, like, I, the first 14 days were very scary. Yeah. And then it's like, so how do we create jobs? Yeah. 
and you know we did that and we brought people back little by little and you know we uh got a couple contracts and brought some more people back and then you know and then we reopened and then we had to close again and it's just been like a lot of back and forth but we tried to keep that core team and you know that the family together as much as possible and i feel like that's going to make people stronger on the other side yeah. you know like um I think in the food and beverage community, there's every restaurant's got a good amount of turnover, but there's that core group of individuals that makes a restaurant special. Of course. And, you know, like those backbone employees, you want to do whatever you can for them. And yeah. we, we did everything under the sun that we could. Uh, and then even the employees that we couldn't keep here, you know, we tried to do as much as we could for them too. It's just, it's been a weird six months. Tell me about it. Oh, I mean, I think a lot of people though look towards you guys to see how to pivot right like i think when you first came out with the supermarket component the grocery store you were like what okay let's go there yeah i get it i like it and i know he's gonna pick good quality stuff and i know we're gonna get cool stuff and i know we're gonna get coffee club counterculture yeah yeah and um and i thought i think surprisingly enough if from an outsider's perspective i think there's a lot of merit to it that you know maybe this conversation you're you know we have to take time to recognize and that you've really been sort of that go-to person to look at and see if shit, if he could do it, we could do it. And it's like, it's been very fascinating to see you pivot constantly. Thanks. I mean, I'm fortunate that I'm not alone. Yeah. You know, like I sit in a room with super talented people, um, because I mean I don't I don't know how to bake bread. I'm a terrible baker. Atrocious. <laughs> okay. But Chef Devin Braddock is Amazing. a wizard. Yeah. I mean she just like I don't know she what she does, things that she comes up with, ideas that she'll have and she'll you know, she gets to work at four thirty in the morning, so she'll text me at four thirty in the morning <laughs> like, with shit. an idea. And I wake up at five forty five, so it's like okay. And then we start talking about it and then it comes to fruition and then we have like a great thing. You know, and um, I, 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 it's really more of a testament to the people in the room, mm-hmm. you know, and, and ask him like, okay, we can, we have this idea. Can we do this? And then yeah. it's like, all right, so what are all the angles that we could do this through? And then having conversations with Larry and then having saying, okay, and then, you know, just figuring it out. You know, we did yeah. uh, Devin's drive through. We did that. We're doing the crab shack now. At yeah. Nave. The crab we're we're doing, yeah, it's delicious. It's you know? amazing. <clears throat> We've done um, dim sum night. I mean, that was crazy. I've yeah. never done dumplings in my life. <laughs> and one of my cooks was like, Chef, let's do dim sum. And I'm like, okay, let's do dim sum. Pivot, and, I was like, pivot. and we'll just figure it out. And I, I've never been such in the weeds yeah. with food. I had no idea what was yeah. going on in my life like uh-huh. that night. That was two Sundays ago. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, fire two grilled snappers and a boar. And by the way, fire four mushroom dumplings and three Frida dumplings. I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? Yeah. But it's all them, yeah. you know, and it's, um, they're all willing to put in the time and the effort and look at Will here that's handing us our drinks. Oh, Will, Will thank you was so much. the bar manager at Nave oh, and now through with the plastic cup. working the bar at Taurus because he's willing to do whatever it takes to oh, make sure that, thank you know, you, Will. The company is, is there tomorrow and next <laughs> yeah, week. He's I'm into that runner. Oh, okay. And Cheers to Will. And like, to uh, Will. To Will. I love that to Will and the whole team the for 
Really pivoting. But it's, you know, it's their efforts. And I just... Yeah. We have a house we're trying to keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. And I But, it, I mean, knowing that the margins are so thin, knowing that the risk is there, that takes a lot of balls. So... I th- well, I th- you know, the market... I, honestly, the... Uh, I started my career at Norman Brothers. Like yeah. When I was like 17 yes. years old. I was Around when would that have been? That's... I, that's Man, that would have been, I don't know, it was high school. What were you doing there? I was working in the butcher shop. Okay, so you wouldn't have been dealing with customers. No, no. I've okay. never, I should have never been in a position to deal with customers. Because yeah. one of the <laughs> most frequent customers, there's a good chance, because she was there an unreasonable amount, that you heard from people who did deal with customers complaints about my grandmother. Oh, yeah? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's I, a night. Uh, she's a nightmare, well, and I'm sure that you heard stories about this crazy vieja. I mean, I worked in the butcher shop. I worked in the prep kitchen. Yeah, I worked in the cheese cutting shop. Yeah, I worked like all throughout there. And then, so when we were like, you know, let's turn Chugs into a market. For me, that idea was we have amazing connections with amazing farmers, and my biggest concern was that they were going to kind of get left out in the cold, and that actually didn't happen, yeah. which was great. They. Mm-hmm. Their business actually increased a bunch, yeah. which my idea backfired kind of. Okay. Because, but it, we still we made it work. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I was like, you know, how can we make sure that Margie's still selling her produce? So we just went down there and we looked at everything she had, and I was like, all right, I want 15 pounds of this every week, and you know, so on and so forth. And I didn't know if it was going to work, but people liked it, and it it kept for like the first month. Chugs is what kept the entire company afloat. Unbelievable. Which is crazy. You know? Had someone told you that in January and you've been like, what? Chugs was a pop-up. So I yeah. had, I would have I would have been like, no, nah, get out of here. It's going to be Exactly, by right? Time. You know, but it, it was like, I mean, people were coming and spending, you know, 200 bucks what on groceries. What would you have told yourself in January when you were doing that? Oh, man. In January, it was like, it, it was. Yeah. Like, could you imagine looking at your old self and be like, hey. You're going to have, you know, I thought I, I could look at myself in January and be like, you have no idea what the no fuck idea. is about to happen. Here. Yeah. Because I was like, my problem was we had a great restaurant in Nave that was doing very well. Mm-hmm. Ariette was doing the best it's ever done. So it's like trying to control mm-hmm. these things and pump out high quality everything. Right. Food and beverage across the board and service across the board. And Chugs at the same time, we're in the process of taking that brand and we're going to uh, rebrand the entire thing and we're going to reopen next year as a bigger space. Sure. So that was my whole thought process. And then it was like March from what, from one day to the next. I remember I was uh, at my fiance's dad's house having dinner and just like everything dropped. And I was just like mortified. And I was sitting in the middle of the street on a phone call with my corporate chef, just like cancel all orders. Everything needs to stop tomorrow Mm -hmm. because I need to, we need to, digest what's happening and think right so the january me and then that me would have had a real serious conversation wow about like the thankfully as we spent the last like 12 months like giving the company um good foundation Mm -hmm. in several facets that would help us long term but i don't know it was a curveball for like the whole the whole world right yeah i think there's there's something to be said also and this is just something that i'm hearing from from both of you that you know this is a situation that nobody could have seen coming right six months ago well no it's it's been about six months seven eight months ago but i i think that humility is such a big part of it right because i think there are a lot of people who 
uh, have their businesses and maybe while they're setting things up and right. getting to the point where it's on some kind of an autopilot, there they like suspend whatever thing is getting in the way of that humility, right? But if you have that attitude going into a crisis that you don't see coming, that you're leaning on other people and you know what you don't do well, then you're a little bit more ready to the extent that that's even a thing, right? Yeah. You're a little bit more ready to tackle that stuff because you don't then have to, after years of having been going at it a certain way, make the adjustment to say like, oh, you have an idea? Yeah, let's, I'm not too big to like write that off. Right, right, right. You know, right. And, and you, no one person, like you aren't, you aren't, I'm not like, nobody is nimble enough to do this alone. Yeah. No. You know? Yeah. Every idea needed needed to be heard. Yeah. Every idea at the table needed to be heard to say like, is <clears> is this <throat> an option? Is this something that we should do? You know, I mean, we started doing our own delivery, obviously because I have a problem with the evil empire that is. Evil, <laughs> but I love that. I mean, like I I was like, we need to do this because I don't want to give our money to anyone no, else. I want my employees to have yeah. money. So. Yeah. And I think consumer confidence ends up shifting towards understanding that, and it's yeah. been unbelievable that now people like before i order from a third party app i'll check first hey do you guys do delivery because now it, it's actually been an, an incredible thing for restaurants if you really think about it in in defiance of the evil empire because now it's defied like it. we got we got wheels here it's got <laughs> legs i like now it. we've kind of defied the the thought process that you know, restaurants aren't doing it. Now they are. And right. there's five-star restaurants that are doing it that oh. otherwise would have never done something like Alinea. that. Exactly. Alinea, uh, Passagioli in yeah. Santa Monica, Birdie G's, Rustic Canyon. I mean, some of my favorite exactly. restaurants in the country, they all I, they all did it, exactly. you know? And, and um, it, it's just one of those things that I think I'm hoping in five years from now, we look back and say, man, we made it that yeah oh my god we can fucking <laughs> yes we have the shirt <laughs> yeah we made it through that yeah you know and, and you know just i remember um like during the whole process i i'm a workaholic yeah i i, really? I, I like no. my work i love <laughs> but i love my work so i don't consider it being a workaholic because i really love what i do yeah but it's like every day like thinking about what we have to do to survive and what we have to do to make it and then i remember when we uh the week that we reopened area that the the three months that we were dormant here i i sat down and i thought okay i think Ariat's had a very good three and a half years for i mean it's been four and a half years four and a half years um but can we make it better yeah and we sat down and we met like me and Chef Manny, which is Chef Cuisine here, and um, David and Brittany and Emma, the whole staff. We sat down every day and we thought, how can we do this better? Yeah. And that's something that we did. We tried to use that time well because for four and a half years, you don't have time to breathe. No. You're just like oh, every you're day just, you're open. You're, you're not. Open. You're reactive. You're not proactive. Right. So – when we reopened, as weird as it is, you know, I thought our food was better, our service improved, uh, the room improved. You know, we were planning to do a large-scale remodel of the interior of the restaurant, which we have to I obviously hold back a whole other calendar year for that. But it improved. Everything improved. And, and yeah. I think that for me mentally that helped me because the whole mental aspect of those three months, oh. I think to me, was the worst. Like, yeah, obviously people got sick. And that is a whole other thing. Yeah. But 
dealing with people every day and just, you know, I, I would from time to time ask my staff, you know, I would meet with them or have coffee with them individually and be like, how are you doing? Oh, that's great. How is everything? What can, is there something I can do for you? Uh, if it's financial, you just be open with me. If it's whatever. Yeah. You know, you need to go spend five days with your kid. Go spend five days yeah. with your kid. You need me to work the, the burger station. I'll work it. I don't mm-hmm. care. Yeah. You know, like you just need to communicate with me. Sure. And that bond grew stronger. And I think that that was the only thing in that time that I think kept us like pushing yeah. and, you know, pivoting and understanding and, you know, and that honestly, that that time spawned into another concept that I haven't talked about yet. will, will eventually. Okay. Um and I think it's super cool. So that's going to be. I can't wait to get the preview. Yeah. When are we? When are we getting the? I'll wait, tell you. Larry getting the exclusive on I'll, this. I'll tell. Larry knows very little. About uh, it. That's what he hates about oh. me. Oh. I, I wait till the last minute to give him all the information. Yeah. Oh, you're that client. I am. Listen. <laughs> he will tell you I am his most prepared client. Good. All the time. Yeah. When we have a meeting, I just don't sit there and listen to him talk because now we'd be there forever yeah. and we get okay, nothing good. done. Um. But yeah, like those things you know like working on the people around you yeah how how can we work better together how can we improve what we've been doing Which i think you that otherwise was, wouldn't have done before because well, you couldn't i mean what i mean what else were we really going to do in that yeah. time you know what else were we going to really do we we're going to sit there and like be sad i no. mean we're going to be sad regardless right because we're not doing what we love to do every day yeah. so it's interesting to hear on from the other side you know that there was, I have, I'm always like a pessimist when it comes to certain things. Oh. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that there's other people that it's not just Larry that's actually like working. Cause I feel like the, the PR world is made up of like four, like great people, you know, and I don't know who the four are, but let's say it's four like people that have been doing it for a long time. And then there's a bunch of these smaller offshoots that don't have the experience that you or Larry have, yeah. you know, that don't have that, the, this long relationships of understanding what it is to be in a restaurant and that relationship with yeah. chefs or different types of businesses to understand what it's going to take to make it through this. Yeah. Younger people that didn't maybe work for you or didn't work for Larry long enough to understand what it takes to run a business. Yeah. So I don't know. It's And at the end of the day, like <clears throat> I think, you know, the testimonials from clients that come, I, I've always, I, I've always valued people over money hmm. and because I've always believed that the money will follow. Do what you love. Money will follow. 150%. Okay. So to my clients, this was like a hurricane crisis mode. We oh, yeah. entered shutdown crisis mode, you know, releases, closures, COVID statements, health and safety. You know, it was so constant and you know this, I'm, I'm not telling, I'm preaching to the choir, but what what I kept thinking is when I go after new business, everyone is going to look at who you were and what you did in that time frame. Like references that people will ask from my clients is like, it's just like, like almost, I want to say mortgages and rents, like how, how you behaved or who you were during COVID will define your character for years to come. Oh, man. I think when I do an RFP for a client is, you know, you have these like corporate RFPs and I feel like they will all ask my clients for reference 
and they will say, you know, who who was this agency? Mm. Mar- came March, whatever, 17th, 2020. Mm. And I know that my clients will say, and Larry's clients will say, they were the ones that picked up the phone at 11.59 p.m. when I couldn't sleep, when I didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. And I don't, we don't have the answers. Publicists don't have the answers to everything. Right. But we talk it through, figure it out, position, pivot, move, change, reposition, make it better. Yeah. And that's what I want my clients to say. I want them to be like, they were at my side every single step of the way, the same way. And I think that's why we have such a good relationship as publicists and as, and as colleagues. And that's the kind of standard that I hold our team to and that is the core foundation of who George Marquez is, who Alex Martinez is, and who I am, and Mick Cardozo, and all of our partners. This is how we behaved the second that hit. Mm. How do we help? How do we do? How do we fix? How do we move? How do we pivot? Don't worry about that. Oh, you know, the first call you get is, listen, you know, that April... (laughs) Um, retainer, we're going to have to exercise our act of God clause. And we're going to have to put, I don't care about the stupid act of God. I care about the fact that you need to reopen so that we can continue moving forward. Right. Right. So, so yeah, that's, you know, that's the way that, that, that situation was handled. And I think that, you know, I share it with, with colleagues like him that, that made it happen. It's interesting that perspective of value people over money. Only reason I say that is because in the restaurant world, Everything is about, you know, paper-thin margin. Right. It's the paper-thin mar- I've heard it my entire career. The paper-thin margin, you know, uh, for people that I've worked for, worked with, other people in the industry, when I look at what we do here, I obviously i am budget conscious, but I want that person, my guest, for that night to leave and say that they had an incredible experience. Yeah. And I will do whatever it takes at all costs to make sure that they have an incredible experience. And that's something that food aside and service aside, that is hospitality. Right now, people want to feel, they Mm -hmm. want to forget. Because when we go back out into the world, it's still there. Yes. But for the two hours that you're here with me, Mm -hmm. I want you to forget. Yeah. And I know you got to put on your mask when you go to the, the bathroom and don't complain when you do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to do all the things. You got to do that stuff. But when you leave here, that's all still happening. But when you're here and you're dining and you're yeah. having a cocktail, having a bottle of escape. wine, having some food, whatever it is, I want you to just forget. Yeah. And the right-hand side of the menu will never matter as long as that experience is there. Correct. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, like these tastings that I was mentioning about before it's like you know I spend a lot of money on all the bells and whistles because I I want it to be right now no one can do anything no like people can't do things so I want people to come and feel like they're coming to an event yeah and I want them in a year from now say man remember when all this stuff was happening we did that thing yeah and it was crazy and all this stuff happened and it was because this next one is going to be a little crazier than the first one and it's like uh, it was just a show and for those four hours because it's like a three and a half hour dining experience everything was awesome the world was awesome we had a great time we laughed we forgot and it was on a monday night and that like that to me it's like it just it gets us going every day and i know that obviously service every day to me is like playing a game every night like we to me we're getting ready for the super bowl every night but that that thing right there like that stuff 
I remember the first time I mentioned it to my my team of chefs in the kitchen because, like, you know, we were going through nights that, I mean, fucking ten people would show up. Ugh, right. You know, fifteen people would show up. How do you keep people motivated through that? That is what motivated them. Okay. Because it was a bunch of uh, younger chefs that really love what they do, and they really wanted to put their best foot forward. Mm. And when I gave them this opportunity, when we did this, because I feel like it's as much for me as it is for them as it is for everyone, they answered the call. And, I mean, the first one they crushed, and I was very my anxiety was through the roof great as it is now five yeah. days from the next five week. days yeah it's just like but it was incredible to see and like when finally we did the whole thing and i saw the whole thing happening and you see as if you do this long enough in the middle of service you will know what the outcome of the day is going to be mm-hmm. okay and in the middle of service an hour and a half in i was like we're gonna crush this okay we're not even like everyone is just it is and I will say that in the four and a half years we've been here, that was the best night of service we've ever had. Wow. And it was in the middle of a pandemic. It was a bunch of food that we had never done before. And it was with a relatively new Stop. kitchen team because mm-hmm. um, all the chefs that are back there now have only been here for maybe five months. Really? Yeah. So. The most important five months. Yeah. The point. most fucked up five months. Yeah. If sure. you can make it through here in yeah, these five months, welcome to the team. I know. It's just. So it's like finding those avenues right now to like motivate, like you found something that was near and dear to you that yeah, it's given this whole year. Cause I mean, fuck, there's so many people like 2020 is a wash. No, crazy. I like 2020 is fucked, but it's not a wash. No. You know, there, I've learned a lot about myself, uh, where I want to go, my food, how to handle like a, a very fragile human state across the board right all those things you know mm-hmm. producer nick you look like you have something to say no i know i know when, when he picks up, up his bird, little no, mic no, you're no, like okay you the john bailey mic i know that it's game <laughs> the time john bailey go mic. on well, i'm just just because i didn't know if uh if if where you were gonna go from there so I'm just i don't know. i don't really have a i didn't have anywhere to go oh that was so good though we, we can do we can move into well i don't want to go into the wind down yet the, okay what i would like to talk about is that not since Matt Kusher okay. did this podcast. All right. Has, correct me if I'm wrong, has someone come to join us as a guest bearing gifts? Oh, that, I, is that accurate? <laughs> well, there was the there was the coffee, which was appreciated, but also there was a reason. Right. It wasn't, well, I mean, that was du- double benefit there. Yeah. Uh, has the anyone, show has on anyone else? Has anybody else? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Oh, no. Well, well since Matt Kusher. Danny Surfer brought sandwiches. He did. Ooh. David brought notes. Does that count? That was not. Well, that was a gift to you. <laughs> <laughs> David Vedano, who will be in our next episode, but we recorded it first, David's brought notes, great. and he was prepared. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's also his podcast. So I think it's accurate. I think not since Kusher, whose hat I still wear a lot. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. I just, I'm not wearing it now because it's summer, and it's a nice snapback, and I don't want oh, yeah. sw- to sweat up his cap. You know, I'm being considerate of, of Kush. Go ahead, Kush. Yeah. So right. so tell us, Mabel, what you brought, because it looks pretty cool. <laughs> These are, they are salsa, and they're from a, you know, a housekeeper. Um, she's, you know, she's very much a part of our program. And she 
makes a salsa that I, at least I can personally like put on everything. Like for me, it's addicting. It's, um, salsa norteña guisada. Oh man. I love Marty, please. I know you're not listening. (laughs) So I know I didn't put She's not one of the 22. No, she is pure only Spanish, but she makes this salsa and you know, sometimes we'll be like running between meetings and we'll be doing a million different things. And I'm like, Oh, Marty, can I have whatever you can make anything you can make? Just give it to me. She's always making these little simple quesadillas and she puts a salsa salsa on and I was like licking the plate. I'm like, we have to sell this. And so we bought her the bottle. Miti bought her the bottles from Amazon and the cute little cork. And she makes a salsa salsa and a portion of the proceeds go to adopt the family. And she is the, Maria is the coolest. I, I didn't know that. We're going to hype the shit out of this sauce. I know. I mean, is I there, hope you like it. That, I, I, I am a sauce guy. I hope I you like it. I love putting sauce on And things. it's like just the right amount of picante because I can't have too much picante because then I'm like, oh my God, you just like, ugh, like your tongue is forever. What's yeah. up with the quesadillas though? Where do we get those? No, she, it's the simplest thing for all of, well, she just, she has this thing called, oh man, I wish I could know what it was called, but it's, it's like this very flat pan and she puts it on the stove. Throws a couple of tortillas on there, which she makes by hand. Throws a little cheese on top. And then she puts this, she gives you the sauce. And you're like, this sauce, I could lick this plate. So can we record the next episode at her house? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so you're into welcome. this. She's, just... she's amazing. And there's so many cool people that when we go to drop off food, they're like, can I give you this? Would you like some of this? And, uh, yeah, it's 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 been really cool. So, yeah, that's Mari sauce. Well, and thank we, you. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoy I'm gonna it. I'm going to some of this when I get home. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to this a lot. Although, I'm, I'm going to take it to my parents' house, and I'm just going to hope that they don't do too much damage before I take it back to my house. I brought house. a third. Right. I thought someone else ah, was here. Come on, take the third. Take oh, the third. so Carluba is missing out. Yeah. yeah. Ah, take the third to Maggie. You keep that yeah. one. Okay. I, I can live with that. Yeah, take, you know, I think that's a good move. <laughs> yeah, come Yeah, on. I felt like when I first got it, I put it on everything. Like obsessively. My husband's like, why are you putting this oh, shit no. on a ham and cheese sandwich? And I was oh, like, yeah. I love this. I mean, yeah. that sounds I like a good salmon. idea. I know. There's nothing wrong with that statement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, don't be surprised if you see it on the next tasting menu. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, we're doing another one in September. So we're, we're ready to go. <laughs> so, yeah. Enjoy. Uh, do you want to move into our recommendation stuff? Um... Or do you have, does either of you have other things you want to cover? Other ground mm, you want to cover? I feel like Even if it's not related to this stuff. So I know you always have things to get off your chest. Yeah. How about your night? How was today? today? I love, my favorite part of the show, honestly, has always been, like, how your night was. Especially oh, when man. you start off and you're like, Especially when it involves tacos. Well, I'm actually. I'm, or meats. Cur- I love that my favorite remains the guy who ordered, like, the 50-ounce steak and had to wait 40 minutes because well he wanted it well yeah, done. Yeah, he ordered it well done. I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. You <gasps> went on a whole thing about people who oh, ordered their was, steak well done and uh, then complained about how long it took. That was an early episode. That's yeah. Early-ish. I mean, come on. I've been listening for a while. Early-ish, yeah. Yeah? I don't yeah. remember this guy. But, I mean, if you order a medium well, I mean, or, or well done, you got to know it's going to take a fucking long time. Yeah. If you want shoe leather, you might as well just grab your <gasps> shoe. I'm sorry. It's just Can true. I tell you something? Go on. <laughs> One of the very few things, because I have a terrible memory, <laughs> that I remember from my very first conversation with Mabel. Uh-huh. <laughs> So she likes her steak well done. Oh, no, Mabel. medium well. <laughs> Mabel, come on. 
I love medium well. What does that mean? My husband could have the cow mooing. Yeah. And then when he makes my steak, he's like, how much more burnt would you like it? I'm like, just get back on the grill, goddammit. Oh, man. I, I am that. But I won't complain about it. I'm okay with it. I know how long it takes. I just, I don't, okay. But this is also my thing. You order the medium well steak and then you say it's dry, then it's a problem. No, then you're an asshole. Thank you. That's good. At least you understand. Yeah. I don't like, I don't, the people that get like, this steak is, is dry. Like, okay. Yeah, okay. It's dry because it's well done. <laughs> what else do you want from me? You ordered it that way. Exactly. This is how you do it. Yes. This is what you want. That's not what I, I, I know what I ordered. It's like people who order eggs. What do you call it? When it's fully cooked? Like over hard? Yeah. yeah. Over hard. It's too hard. What? You ordered oh, it over the hard. Best. Yeah. The, the egg, egg cookery. But egg is so subjective. Thank you. Oh man, egg. I work. I worked eggs every Sunday for three and a half years at brunch because I knew it was where it was going to get the most complaints. So I didn't get mad at anyone else. I did it myself. Yeah. And it was just always like, Chef, this isn't right. I'm like, this is right. This is not what they want, but this is right. This yeah. is right. This thing right here. <laughs> this is a fried egg. That what they want? Not a fried egg. This is yeah. a fried egg. But I'll do it again. Yeah. Because you know this is why I do it. When I was I was the director of PR at the Fountain Blue, and you know we had Scarpetta, we had Hawkson, we had um, Gotham. Gotham was the only one that would get like the most amount of complaints. Oh, yeah? And I used to tell everybody, I'm like, guys, steak is the well, most right. subjective thing in the world. People will say they want it well done, say they want it medium well, but it's never. It can. It's very subjective. So. Yeah, we were laughing about it because I'm like, I don't want to mention that I like my steak medium well. <laughs> and there it is. There if that's is. what you want, then that's what you want. I'm just saying, if it takes a long time and it's dry, I, it's not my fault. It is. This what is it what is. we requested. <laughs> so we'll, I, uh, my art, our, our nights, our nights are weird. Some nights are very good. Some nights are very empty. It's like it's a crapshoot. Like yesterday was great, Tonight? and today was. I mean, it rained for four hours. Yeah. You know, so that I automatically know midday we're going to have a shit day. Yeah. You know, um, but this goes back to my question, like why certain things are allowed and why certain ones aren't. Yeah. You know, um, I was thinking I, about that. today. I don't. And, you know, uh, I just I tweet. Nick tweets, too. But I, <laughs> I, I tweet and um, I shockingly got a response from Carlos Menes, probably a staffer of Carlos Menes, not not a not an actual that. I asked the question, why is it okay for a gym to be open, but my dining room not to be open? It was a simple question. Yeah. I'm not attacking. It's a question, yeah. and I just want a response. Sure. The response I got was basically like a copy and paste from like a dashboard, right? Which is fine, but that's not answering my question. Yeah. And then, you know, like the the, tw- the Twitter tools, because there's so many Twitter tools, then they come in and it's berating. Of the, you're not going to get an answer from this guy anyways, but it didn't answer my question. And my, the simple question is, why is one allowed and the other one not? Yeah. You know? And days like today, it would have made a fucking difference. Huge. And, like, days when it's, like, 105 degrees outside, when yeah. it's August in Miami, like we're in right now, it would make a difference. You know? I feel incredibly blessed every day that I see people sitting outside of my restaurant. That's right. it's fucking hot outside. Damn right. And I'm, like, I'm just, like, bless you Which, for Which, by the here. way, has now become the sort of check mark for how successful a restaurant is. 
So we were driving on 8th Street, and there's this Lebanese restaurant. I don't remember the name of it. It's really complicated. It's right before you get to 95. Unbelievable. It's not a restaurant to sit in. It's like a quick serve. And as I looked across the street, I'm like, there's a Colombian restaurant across the street. And I'm like, you know what? The new staple or the new sort of uh, metrics for how good a restaurant is is how packed their outside seating is. Because if you are capable of sitting outside in Miami in this heat at yeah. 12 o'clock noon to have lunch in a restaurant, that is a really damn good restaurant. Yeah. I, I'm going to... You nope. don't remember the name? The place? Samir Lebanese H I'll, I'll look him up and I'll insert audio of myself He's shouting him out here. very good. It's excellent. Excellent, excellent Lebanese food. And, oh. you know, we had a whole Beirut conversation, so it was oh, great. Oh, I love that. I'm yeah. all about that. Yeah, it's, he was great. I'm looking cool. for Labne. So if anyone hears Daily Bread? Yeah, that's what's that's what they recommended someone else. Where, but... where did you around where did you say you live? In Brickle. In Eleven. Brickle, okay. Yeah. Cuz there's a there's a Lebanese place that I haven't been in a while. Uh, called Alamir on near Bird and and 62nd. Oh yeah, oh, really? I went to high school with the Super guys. Solid. Yeah, yeah. Big fan. This is more of the uh free ads that we're giving out that's right we give a lot of things away for free free ads here we do a lot of the free ads things here speaking of which uh-huh you want to move on to our recommendations you got yeah, i got a re- i got a i got a recommendation okay so this is the portion of our show yes which you know well we recommend things uh that you want to tell people they should read watch do eat mike what you got i just watched this movie i don't know if it was ever in the theater at all it's on apple tv hmm Apple TV actually kind of sucks. I don't know. If, I, I don't know. I, don't, if, I have no no relationship. I don't know. Like you know, we got it. Like it was like five dollars for the month. We're like, oh, let's give it a try. There's absolutely nothing on there. It's fucking dreadful. So we just paid five bucks for the month. But um, there was one movie. It's called The Banker. Samuel L. Jackson, uh, which he, I mean, he made the movie. And the other main actor, I don't remember his name, but I he's uh, he was in the Avengers. It's a lot of Avengers. I know the other one that flew. Which which and had superhero a suit. was he? I don't remember. It's the other one that flew and had a suit. Not also. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, the other one. The the black guy that he borrows a suit from. No, no, because that's War Machine. Him? That's War Machine. No, the other one. That it's the more other like, one who flies. Not Thor. No, not Thor. There's a lot of flying people. I got it. Uh, Anyways, my he son was the other. Notice. He was uh, my this, that's, but that, We're losing. We're losing base here. The, um, <laughs> uh, it was him and Samuel Jackson. And it's basically about. Um, this incredibly intelligent African-American man that is okay. very good at math. And um, he's always told that, like, he would have to get, like, one of these jobs. Because it was based in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. That's like a janitor or a chauffeur or whatever. He never wanted to do that. He wanted to own real estate. Mm. And uh, apparently it's based on true, uh, true story. Uh, and, you know, he finally gets his first deal when he moves to L.A., and then his first partner is an Irishman. So the Irishman gave him a shot because apparently the Irish were looked down upon just like the African-American right. was. And um, sadly, his first partner died, just like had a heart attack one day. And it, things were going so well. But he made some money. And then he partnered up with Samuel Jackson, which was like, at the beginning, they make you feel like he's like a hustler or whatever. <laughs> but the movie was great. I, I, and it, and it, it unfolds into them buying banks. Oh, so they end up buying banks and buying real estate, and um, it's it was great. What, I what era was this? The 40s, 50s, and 60s. Oh. Yeah, so 
I, when he was a, a kid, it was the 40s. And then I think, like, when it actually all went down, like, late 60s, early Not based 60s. on real life? Yeah. Oh, based really? on Based on a, I think, based loosely, because, you know, there's always drama that they add. And of course. All kinds of things. But that was uh, great. And then. Um, what was it called? Uh, the Banker. The Banker, okay. Uh, another recommendation. My birthday was last week. Oh. And uh, I went to Tidal Cove. I'm not yes. like, yeah, I'm not into like doing, like, I don't like doing things. I always feel like I should be working. Yeah. Right. So I was forced to take the day off, which was nice. Forced. And um, it was just fun. Yeah. It was nice. Um, I recommend it. I recommend yeah. going during the week. Because on the weekends, I feel like there's going to be too many people for me. Yeah. And so okay. I do recommend that. Uh, I also recommend. I got oh, I went to Machiolina on the, oh, the Monday right God. after they had it's like the whole incestuous Fountain Blue. So Jeff Klein, who's now the GM of Turnberry Title Co. Oh yeah, was the head of food and beverage at the Fountain Blue. Who obviously we all work together with Mike Parolo. <laughs> and that's so, when Nina was there also. Yeah, yeah, I did the transition of of Nina and them with the PR, and it was it was awesome. I really miss Nina. Nina's one of my favorite chefs in the country. She really is spectacular. Her food is incredible. She's incredible. Yeah. Like, I I stayed um, just totally I'm just off the rails now. The um, <laughs> the hotel that her restaurant's in, that's yeah. where we stayed. We went to New Orleans last time, so mm-hmm. I ate there three times. Wow. Yeah, I ate dinner twice and um, breakfast, lunch, or whatever. Yeah. I just... I think she's amazing. She's amazing. And her husband's hysterical. Oh. I, my favorite thing about her husband that's a, that's is a the Yelp reviews. Oh, man, when he posts about the Yelp reviews, it's like kind of being in your pants laughing. Yeah. That's, that's a, that, that is a couple that should be on this show. Yeah. Sure. yeah. They're I'm hysterical. Still, you know, Nick's the one that gets everyone on the show. He's the guy. I'm, I'm he's, the guy. He's the guy. I'm the Don Bailey of this operation. And then <laughs> lastly, you are the Don Bailey of the operation. never living that down, ever. Um, I... Um, I got a book that I've read some of and I enjoy called In My Blood by Bo uh, Betch, I guess you would say. B-E-C-H. Oh, it's ba- Betch or Beck. It's got to yeah, be. Yeah. Based out of Copenhagen. And I just, uh, I'm so far, I'm like reading the book. I'm a big fan. Nick, not so much, but me, I sent him a couple pages. He didn't like it. But I did. I do like it very much. I do like it very much. It, it's very much a book for chefs. Oh, okay. It seems like from what you're well, that's about. what I said. It was lim- limited run. That yeah. one I had. There was only 500 copies. What was the book of. about? It's just. I mean, he's a chef, so there's obviously recipes and stuff. But like the one, the part that I shared with Nick was, uh, it was just titled "The Show," and it basically walks through like the entire day. With the kitchen, how it unfolds, and some of the quotes that he uses, uh, like, really spoke to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and like uh, that feeling of like, it's, it's almost like you're in a battle. Yeah. And when it's a busy service, it's like, you know, you're with your team and you're battling out with your team and um, just got to be there for them when they're about to fall. You got to be there to pick them up. And it's just like that whole, I mean, obviously his verbiage is very different, but um, it was great so yeah. far. So far, so good. So I'm going to recommend something just so you have the last word on recommendations. Oh, and then, God, and then you'll have the first on your plugging. So my oh. recommendation, I, I, is, I don't know whether people who listen to this have caught on, but I spend entirely too much time on YouTube. Oh, that is uh, a there's a lot of YouTube consumption. <laughs> uh, lately, actually for a while now, one of my favorite YouTube channels is uh, it's, it's 
The guy goes by, and his channel is called Kit Boga, one word, K-I-T-B-O-G-A. And this is a YouTube rabbit hole that I have been tumbling down for the better part of two months now. And it is a whole, like, sub-genre of YouTube videos of people who are scamming scammers. Which means that, like, if you've ever been on the internet and you've gotten, like, a pop-up ad saying, like, you have a virus, you got to call this yeah, number yeah. to do whatever. Yeah. And it's clearly, like, targeting older people or not tech savvy people who are going to believe that shit and then call these people and there's all this roundabout way that they end up extracting money from you so this guy is one of many channels but i think he's my favorite uh that will actually call the number and he himself is very tech savvy and basically like sees how much of their time he can waste and conv he's built like fake bank websites and like he's gone super super far like he's sharing his computer screen with them and so you're hearing these people usually in india convinced that they're about to take thirty thousand dollars from this guy in value of like google play gift cards or some bullshit and it's just fascinating to watch uh and i think it gives you a view there's a practical reason for this not to watch as much as i have but to watch it at least once uh i think we all have somebody in our lives who could be manipulated by this totally. sort of thing sure yeah and to understand, like, how it actually works, what they actually get you to do. Mm -hmm. The long story short of it is they'll tell you that through some mistake that happened during the call, uh, you need to get a refund. And then, oh, no, I refunded you too much money. But the only way for us to give you this money, for you to get this money back to us, because wouldn't you feel terrible that if you didn't give it back? <laughs> right. Wouldn't you feel terrible? But they, they never actually, because what they'll do is they'll get you to log into your bank account and then yeah. they change the source code while oh. you're not looking on the browser because they're controlling your computer. Mm. So they make it look like your three grand in your bank account is now 30. And so you have to send them back $27,000. <laughs> wow. Because I'm going to lose my job and I'm just a poor guy in India, whatever. So this guy goes through this whole thing and he pretends that he like went to Walmart and bought thirty thousand dollars worth of like amazon gift cards because that's apparently the only way that they can get their money all kinds of bullshit uh so kit boga k-i-t-b-o-g-a there's a lot of comedy in there it's great and he's doing god's work letting people know that this is all bullshit what's the average length of one of these videos you're asking because you want to know how much time i've committed to this yes they usually go at least half an hour and i have given <laughs> days <laughs> of view time to this man so oh, man yeah uh, uh, so Kit Boga, K-I-T-B-O-G-A, even if you only watch one, uh, well worth the, the thing. It's funny, uh, uh, and it's, it's, it's fun to watch. How, so. Speaking of YouTube, how's our, our Bean video doing? The Bean video <gasps> Bean was amazing. instantly the most popular thing we've ever done. Yes! <laughs> like, within a day, yes. it outperformed There's everything. There's so much about that that is triggering. <laughs> there's so much about it number one the fact that you were like he heated this for i'm like he's eating cold beans yeah. you have got to be a real freaking food connoisseur to judge that shit hey this guy is a chili cook-off champion so. <laughs> i just you know the things i do for my friends is really that was what the it's best. all about i loved it as you a know, matter of fact we, all when we went to way. buy black beans for one of our families i was like not doing a label not doing kirby because it's you know off our list of purchases. Oh, it is? Yes. And then I was because, like, where because? is this? Irrelevant. Oh! <laughs> That's because they're owned by uh, Goya. And then we <laughs> have, then we have El Ebro 
which you didn't judge well. But then I tried looking for Bush's Cuban beans, and I was like, damn, there, this is nowhere to be found. Which it shouldn't be. But you gave it's, me that. But, I mean, I didn't mention that, but I felt some kind of way about, like, this, the Cuban-style uh, But Bush here's the thing. Like, I, how I could you really judge the bean without the sofrito? No, nah, well, well, because you're judging the essence of we're, the. We're judging the canned bean, okay. I, and I. What I love, what I loved was. Well, I'm sorry, I'm gonna interrupt because all of the beans I got were the seasoned beans, so yeah. okay. they, they are cooked with onion, garlic. Yeah, but and nobody, pepper. no real Cuban eats. Beans no, but out my of my favorite. Oh, I do. Oh, that's you know that's the problem. My well, no, never have canned beans without the sofrito. I mean, he's but he's. I mean, he's a producer. He's not a cook. You know, like I don't. <laughs> I'm not a cook. That's why I eat them canned. He, he like refuses to eat my food. No, 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 it's the risotto with the steak. It's uh, we draw the line. <laughs> no, it, my 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 favorite part so far has been when Nick has shared. I don't know. I don't even know what Reddit is. Um, when Nick shared some of the color commentary of people judging my judgment on the beans. Oh damn! Which I found super intriguing because I'm like, man, let's not take this too serious. Yeah, come on. Like, but people are very passionate. There's a lot of things that people are very passionate about. Beans. Oh yeah. Croquetas. That's our next video. Oh, I got a story about croquetas. Wait, oh, that's sorry. right. Okay. Yeah. Let's, Go uh, on. No, 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 no. No, no. Be, be, things, so, croquetas will be our next video. I'm oh, ex- super excited about croquetas. I think croquetas. so. Maludos is the next video. No. We'll probably do two, uh, we'll, we'll record do two, two and, and one. We'll record two and one. Oh, you got the palette for this. Oh, man. You have I'm got the palette for this. No, I, so I... Um, you have a story here. Yeah. My... I go... I usually leave campus is what i call here yeah. to go have like a 30 minute break mm-hmm. alone and i'll go to a cuban cafe and i'll have a cotelito and i'll get maybe a coqueta so i was uh had just talked to my mom and my grandparents were like up and about so i was like all right let me get six croquetas oh. fresh ones never just one no it wasn't for me yeah okay? right <laughs> if it was just for me i would have just gotten one listen i was like no let, me, let me get let me get croqueta. six croquetas yeah that's about a good number and they were like well there's none so i we need to fry them fresh i'm like perfect that's, I'll wait. Yeah. I'm, I'm not in a rush. Open the box. So, yeah, for the box. <laughs> Rip so, open that box. <laughs> so they, they fry the croquetas. They give me the croquetas. I obviously, in just very, like, fat kid fashion, I get in the car, and I take one out. And yeah. And I take a bite. I'm like, shit, these things are hot. Really? So I take half the croqueta, and I set it down in the center console. Mm. And then my grandparents live, like, four minutes from there. So I go there and spend some time. Whatever, bring, tell them, you know, these are not my croquetas. So not, <laughs> do not get it mistaken that these yes. are mine. No judgment. Because uh, they would have, you know. Flipped. So anyways, I go upon, I go on my day, whatever. And um, like three days later, I'm like, I got to clean out my car. I mean, I live in this, this coffee. There's little cotadito cups everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like there was like a, I had had breakfast with my mom. So like there was a present. She got me, she got me chucks for, um. For my Aww. birthday, thanks, mom, because my other ones were years. So I'm cleaning out my car and I'm cleaning out the center console. And I'm like, "What the fuck is this?" No. And the other side of the croquet that was still there—that <laughs> is only a Miami story. How did it taste, though? Yeah, I did not eat the croquet. Oh, come on, what's wrong with you? No, it's three days. so much better. Yeah, if it's in your house, not in your car. Like I was just like. Listen. And I, I just couldn't help it. I, I took a picture and I don't said, "Don't ever I let a croqueta fall like that." No, I mean it wasn't. It wasn't like a showstopper. What it do you was, think they were? Do you think they were homemade? No, absolutely not. They were Catalina. Listen, right? I, I go to I go to this place. We'll find out on the next episode of 
Bang. Eat this croqueta. Oh. <laughs> Blind tasting of half-eaten croquetas from Dashboard. Yes, leave them in the car for a day no, and this, then make them eat it. This place, <laughs> this place, and I'll, I'm not bagging on it. It's just like every other like little Cuban cafe. And I remember last time I was there, it's like talk about triggering. There's things in restaurants that happen to me that oh, trigger me that I'm terrible. just kind of like that gives me like anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm standing there and I'm asking for a cotadito. She's not very nice, and I'm just like, it's fine. I come yeah. here because no one's ever here, and there's <laughs> fans outside, so I could sit there. Yeah, and, I'm here for the hospitality. And then I, I'm looking, yeah. and there's there's a cook sitting having lunch. Mm. Um, there's orders that have been ordered because I hear the machine happening, and he's still sitting there wow. in like one of the plat. And I'm I'm starting to like, like and, and then and then the phone is ringing, and yeah. no one's answering the phone, and I'm just kind of like. I'm like, I want to go answer the phone for yeah. them. Like, I don't like. <laughs> I want to take the order. Like, I want to answer just, the like, phone. I want to go cook the food. Like, get yeah. off grass and yeah. go cook the food no. and pick up the phone and just. And she's like, get ahead, cortadito oscuro. Oh yeah. No, like, <laughs> oh, I like with the most amount of patience. Yeah. Just... Oscuro o clarito, oh. and the phone's ringing, and you're like, go. <laughs> can I tell? Can, I have another story. I know we're winding down, but oh, I have another fun. story about this same window. This. Because I, I also, at the same time as restaurants frustrate me, and I'm looking at this restaurant, and I'm like, they're losing so much money, just what's happening. Yeah. But equally, I was there a week prior, and I went in the morning before, like, I, you know. So, I was there, and it's only the one lady at the window. Yeah. And then the one gentleman that was having lunch, the same guy was in the back. He was actually cooking this time, so kudos to you. And, um... The window's full. There's like four or five people yeah. there and there's people getting like they're getting anxious and they're getting annoyed. Yeah. And I'm I equally I want to like I want to help you. Like, of can course. I jump in there and help you make some of these coffees or whatever? And I'm like and then out of the corner of my eye, I see a health inspector. Oh, on top of that, behind me is a gigantic 18 wheeler from Cheney Brothers or one of the PF, one of the performance food group. So I know they're getting orders. So I know what's happening in my brain. The driver has the dolly and he's getting all the food and they don't give a fuck. They put it right in the middle of the kitchen. They don't put it anywhere. They just want you to check it in. They're going to sign it. They're going to fucking leave. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's stuff that goes in the freezer. It doesn't matter if it's stuff that should be on ice. And then I see the health inspector and I'm just like, I'm mortified. Yeah. That was painful. I'm mortified of what's happening right now. I want to help you, but I don't know how to help you. The only thing, the only thing they had to their advantage is that there's no way into the restaurant. Right. All the doors are locked. You can't get into the back. Thank God. The health inspectors know what to do. Yes. And I just start shooting the shit with him. And I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? Hey, yeah, you know, yeah. they're busy. Uh, you want to get a coffee? Like, maybe it's... And he's like, no. And I was like, no, but you should hang out. She'll be with you in a second. <laughs> I'm just like, and I'm trying to, like... I'm trying to, like... Distract they got to go away. Like, yeah, yeah. just... They're busy. Like, leave them alone. But... I know it's funny, but at the same time, because of what the world is going through, is why there's only two people in that restaurant. And at the same time, there's somebody sent by our government to double down on these people and tell them what they're doing wrong instead of trying to help. And I think a big way of helping is explaining to me why gyms are open and my dining room is not. So it's just like those kind of things to me, they like my blood right yeah, now is yeah. boiling, yeah. you know? And I just, cause I wanted, I want to help them. And I also want to yell at that guy and yell at the lady for not picking up the phone and all those things. But, um, I think that on the other side, they should be a little more understanding. Right. Because we're in this situation because of we're living in parameters that you set for us. So um, so where did the health inspector go? Uh, I, I had to go. So <laughs> I just saw him, like, meandering around. 
I didn't see him going to the kitchen. But mm-hmm. when I left, he was yeah. looking annoyed. And I knew that guy. I We had interactions before. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was before I lost 150 pounds, so I didn't uh, recognize him. So. <laughs> Always the master of disguise. That's what it is. That's what it, I was. All, I was also wearing my hat, so that's like uh, you don't. You don't and even a mask. know. Yeah. Were you wearing a mask? Yeah, of course. When you were talking to him, so yeah. no way that guy oh, knew. Man. Ninja. I looked that's like, kind of I looked a good like thing a about that. Is that like you see people in the supermarket and you're like my mask? Yeah, Can I tell you something. Yeah. I, I feel terrible. I feel like I have like some weird version of face blindness because every time I come here to record a podcast, yeah, half the staff says hi to me and I don't know who they are yeah. until they pull their mask down. Uh, so I have a lot of like what for me are embarrassing interactions because like I uh, yeah hi you can uh, get away with it right sure. now yeah. it's um, forgivable did we get to your recommendation I don't, oh, no, I don't sorry I went on a tangent don't worry I I'm not I don't even know that I could really give you some solid recommendations what? I mean anything you I don't really watch that much TV an Instagram I think account you love my biggest obsession is TikTok okay. I don't even know what that is and not not uh, and I have to tell all you all I know is that it was a big thing that uh, Trump wanted to ban it. Right. So TikTok are like China. these, what are it, 15 China. second, one minute videos. But I follow this woman called the Pasta Queen on there. Wait. She's an Italian woman out of Tampa. And she makes some pretty short, quick recipes. And I love them. But TikTok teaches you a lot. And it, it's really kind of the algorithm that you said and the things that you want to really watch. And mine is set to things that are really more educational. Like teach me something. I want to learn something. I heard it's like Vine. Uh, no, this is a little, and it's actually an older demographic. So there's a lot of people there that'll teach you how to get a new passport in another country, which was really useful right now because we can't go anywhere else with our American one. So there you have that. There's people that'll help you with debt, people that'll help you with cooking. You know, there's a traditional, you know, fashion and beauty people. But at the end of the day, there's really good content on there that's that you can learn a lot from this is the most attractive anyone has ever made t- TikTok i know like to me. all i see is a bunch of kids dancing. but that you have to set your at your set your set your level set set your it's it's just like what we're living in right now it's only what you see so the three of matters. us have to check off the i'm too old for this shit boxes right? and me too and then it'll be wait good. what am i <laughs> no that's what i'm saying the three yeah. of us are too old for that dancing shit yeah and There's not, a, I, you know, you kind of see the dancing pasta. and you're like, who does this? I don't have time to be doing that. But there's a lot of good, edu- and like, they're quick. They're really quick snippets. Cool. There's one woman that is on there that delivers the sort of day news. And she really helps people in a way that's like, this is what's happening with the stimulus package. And this is what the government's going through. And she just breaks it down in the simplest way there. there I think TikTok is really pretty. And the amount of revenue that people are making off of tiktok is the most insane thing most of the huge yeah huge (laughs) huge um magnificent century is my favorite show you have got to watch it i'll watch it obsessively it's about like a streaming thing it is a streaming thing i can't tell you exactly what it's on but it's called magnificent century it it used to be on netflix and it got taken down but it is a turkish soap opera based on the um the sultan uh the uh I forgot his name and I'm drawing a blank now. But anyway, it's based on uh, that era. And it is my husband hates watching it. And when he gets in, when I make him get into it, he can't stop. I'll tell you this. Based on the data we're able to access, 50 percent of our audience is female. Oh, good. So, so girls, <laughs> let me let you into a little secret. Magnificent 50%, century. Huh? They're in it for the Don Bailey pose. That's, that's what I, No. Demographics. 80% of my audience oh. is fe- No, I'm kidding. It's not. 
Uh, but no, based Christmas on, cards. Yeah. Oh boy, <laughs> I get a bad Christmas card. Again. You know, oh, you could man. do like those shaving things on TikTok. People would watch it. Oh wow! Yeah, man. I'm 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 a, I'm a month or two away from my next trim video. My next big trim video. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I, that's I didn't it. know TikTok was actually like a serious thing. I'm it's, shocked. This, no, I mean, this is a revelation to me. Is I, it? Yeah. Wow. Download it. I think there's and there's a lot of great chefs on there that really are pretty great there's oh my god the duets you would do so good on those duets what is that so one so there's this thing where you can who's the guy that screams at everybody the chef gordon ramsay yes he's on there he's a jerk yeah and so he does these like duets people will cook and I've he'll seen that. and he'll do stuff and i will like let, i'll do a dish and then you duet him and he'll <laughs> be like no the and he'll kind of walk yeah. them through it and it's part of his shtick right i mean I don't, I don't know if he's really a jerk but the jerk is kind of a shtick because like for example i'll give you an example did you ever watch master chef the american series no was a Brit- so on master chef he drops that shtick because what's the guy's name who's like a big deal in italian restaurants the other million italian restaurants uh shaved head dude uh colicchio no it's another guy but okay. italian he, chef he, guy. he's the jerk on master chef and gordon ramsay comes off like a normal dude oh so, you know. Yeah, I mean. Gordon Ramsay also does on YouTube. They're very entertaining. These videos where he's tr- his daughters are the jerks. Oh. So he's cooking a, a thing inside of something like five minutes. Yeah. And then the daughters are the ones who are, like, giving him shit yeah. for how long things are taking. Yeah. So eh, some, a lot of the jerk thing is a show. Yeah, the chef from Lure Fish Bar, I think, is on there up in New York. And he does, like. By the way, this is mostly me trying to not keep Gordon Ramsay from joining our show if he's ever in Miami. He's a jerk. <laughs> and I mean, I, I, I got he worked for Marco Pierre White, so I got a lot of respect for that. But okay, you know, Marco's a jerk too. All right, and a sellout, but it's fine. Okay, so TikTok. Sorry, <laughs> download it, enjoy it, cool. but only you know, focus on what you really want to see, and you'll get you'll get some fun things out of it, even if it's just numbing your mind for a hot minute. Um, mm. and sometimes we could all use it. It's very non-judgmental if you just get to what you want to get to. So Pancom podcast TikTok. There we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna need to learn some dances. <laughs> oh my god! Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so let's move into our shameless plugs. I want to let you shameless plug all of your things, the PR stuff Aww. and the the fridge filling first, in case people you know. I'm probably the only publicist that will come on here and not. I, it's so weird to like shamelessly plug, but you know, I hope that everyone does support the most important thing right now, which is um, adopt a family, because. I'm going home tonight to a warm bed with my son, whose belly is probably full of sugar, and he's bouncing off the walls. He was riding a horse that my brother bought him in the living room, and uh, and I feel very blessed and very fortunate to to have that. And I feel like all we want to do, meet the Aaron Leslie. Jessica Kaysen and on all of us all and the 160 volunteers is that all we want to do is build a community and make sure that people understand that this there you can't you can't let it happen in your own backyard mm-hmm. and then deep sleep please deep sleep studio.com yeah <laughs> deep sleep studio Mike shameless plugs yeah I mean uh, area Miami Nave Miami come to the shack shack um chug's diner chug's diner enjoy the last few weeks i'm not gonna put a date on it this time um you know 
Taurus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all those things. For the best cocktails. Yeah. All the, all the, yeah. All the margarita Sully, you could chug. Yeah. And the finest plastic cup jack. And the finest jack and jack on the rocks <laughs> that Nick has ever had. And not, when you guys first started talking about Bailey's, I'm like, is he has like a Bailey's drinker? This is so weird. <laughs> no, no. Um, Bailey's. What do you mean? What are we talking about? Don Bailey. Oh, Don Bailey. Yeah, no, yeah. this is. No. Nick Don Bailey. Nick Jimenez. Bailey. Nick Bailey over here. Uh, so finally. Pancom Podcast on all of the social media things. You can find us on all that stuff. Uh, and you can support what we're doing on Pancom Podcast and the rest of DadeMag.com. Patreon.com slash DadeMag. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say whatever the next payout we have will go to fridge filling. Oh. It's not a huge payout, but if you get in now, you can get in and then cancel after the first month. Although, if that's what you're going to do, Aww. just go give your money directly to fill We got fridge. magnets. And wow. we got magnets. You can Also, there's a hand-painted cafetera. Wow. It is an intense I design that my yeah. sister did. Uh, it is a. It has all kinds of like uh, uh, Da Vinci Thanks. Code level symbology. Uh, on the cafetera. So you can go to datemag.com slash shop to buy this cafetera, magnets, and whatever other absurd thing we come up with there. Finally, since apparently I have the last word before we all say thank you to each other for showing up, I want to congratulate Matt Hinckley. Matt Hinckley, while we were doing this podcast, posted on Twitter that in his latest jujitsu spar, he pulled off an omoplata, which I think I'm the only person who knows what that means in this room. On a guy who outweighs him by 90 pounds, and he was very excited about it. Congratulations, Matt. That basically means that he almost broke somebody's shoulder with his legs. Uh, well, good job, that, Matt. Then there's that. All right. <laughs> cool. Good, Thanks, congrats, everyone. Matt. Yeah. That's it. Thank you. Thank you Thank so much, you. Mabel. Yeah. Not Mable. Thank you, Mabel. Thank you.